The past few weeks have been a little hectic for me and my family. In the midst of a move, starting a new, somewhat demanding job, and trying to spend quality time with my family whenever possible at a time that's just a little confusing for our children. I'm a little less connected to the news than I normally am, and I've watched little to no television. In today's world, it's nearly impossible to separate from the world entirely. So as I was trying to stay informed of the trade developments and the Supreme Court nomination, I also knew that there was a World Cup going on. I heard that LeBron is going to Los Angeles, and I also heard the story of the 12 boys who were missing, along with their soccer coach, in a cave in Thailand. I obviously joined with the rest of the world in worrying about the boys and feeling awful for their families. I would hear updates on the radio on my drive and in my quick news scans, and I would see headlines when they made their way onto the front, onto the front page. I was delighted to hear when the boys were found and I heard a radio story about the difficulty of the diving techniques that would be needed to escape the cave, even for the most experienced, talented divers, and how difficult it would be for these boys, already weak, to learn what they needed and to make it out safely. I heard when Major Saman Gunan, a retired Thai Navy SEAL who had volunteered to join the rescue mission, lost his life in the effort. And I felt that sense of relief this past week as notifications popped up on my phone on Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday as four boys escaped the cave each day along with their coach on the last day with no additional loss of life. As I looked back at the two weeks and the many potential messages that could be derived from the story, something I might be able to share with you tonight, I started questioning my own investment in the story. Why was I interested? Why wasn't I more interested? Strangely, I thought, I found myself thinking about a news story from my childhood, the baby who had been stuck in a well. Now, I know most of you know the story I was thinking of, but I did not at first. I remembered hearing about it and knowing, but I couldn't remember her name, and I couldn't remember the details. Instead of trying to remember more, the when, the who, the where, I found myself wondering if anyone else was thinking about this girl and this story at this time. So I Googled, and not knowing what to Google, I went with Thai Cave Well. Now, I expected maybe a few people on Twitter would have said something, but when the first result of my search was boys doing well after cave rescue, I thought maybe I have to try a different search. But sure enough, with just those words, Thai, cave, and well, the next result was, what did baby Jessica think about the Thai cave rescue? She had no idea it happened. 
So not only had New York Times reporter Jess Bidgood wondered about the connection between the stories as well, but she had gone so far as to seek the now 32-year-old's thoughts, and if I thought I had only been peripherally following, following the story, this woman who had lived a similar ordeal as an infant didn't even know what had happened until the reporter called her. It turns out that baby Jessica, now Jessica McClure Morales, lives only two miles from that well in Midland, Texas, and she has spotty internet and no cable TV. When she heard about the story from the reporter, she said it was a miracle, just like the 33 Chilean miners who had been rescued eight years ago as well. So now I started wondering, what was this reporter hoping for? Granted, I too had associated the two stories, and obviously I was not alone, but in seeking Jessica out, in asking her what she thought of the rescue, what was the reporter expecting? Should Jessica be notified any time such a rescue is taking place? Should she have been glued to the television as so many were during her rescue 31 years ago? Should she have learned to scuba dive and gone to Thailand to be a part of the rescue? The article focused on what Jessica did not know, but it was another article written last year that I found more telling. Now I was interested and I was looking for more. This one, a year old, was a where are they now that was looking at baby Jessica 30 years after her rescue. And the article, again, missed the mark. It focused on her finances, the fate of a trust fund that had been wiped out during the 2008 financial crisis, and the way she tells her own children about the story. The article only quickly mentions that Jessica is a special education teacher's assistant at a local elementary school. Rather than constantly living in an event that occurred 30 years ago, even as others may try to make her do so. She's instead giving to others who have found themselves in a place where they could potentially be lost or forgotten. And she is doing her small part to help them. In this week's Torah portion found at the end of the book of Numbers, the people are preparing to enter the promised land. And Moses, who has already been told that he'll be dying in the wilderness, unable to enter the land of Israel, is told by the tribes of Reuben and Gad that they would prefer to stay behind. They would prefer not to cross the Jordan and to remain in the land in which they currently dwelled, land would, that would be better for them as they raised their cattle. Moses was furious, and we can understand why. Moses, who had spent 40 years leading the people to a land that he would be unable to enter, a land that he yearned to enter more than anything, was now being told by some of those whom he had led that they didn't want to enter. Ultimately, however, the Reubenites and the Gadites promised to stand by their brothers and sisters as they entered the land, serving as shock troops, the first ones in battle, only returning to the other side of the Jordan after everyone was safe. Then, they hoped, 
They could use their position on the other side of the river as a source of added strength. I think we watch stories like Baby Jessica, the rescue of the Chilean miners, and the Thai soccer team for a few reasons. While so much of the news today is big problems, problems that seem unsolvable or far out of our reach, these are stories that, for as miraculous as they are, have a relatively small number of people working in a relatively small area to solve an extremely difficult but fixable situation. It's hard, it takes a lot of work, and sometimes lives are lost along the way. But people who know what they're doing are working around the clock to fix the problem. People come from across the river, serving as shock troops, making sure that those in danger are brought to safety. But in these cases, most of us can watch knowing that we are unable to do what they are doing. We feel bad, but we also don't feel responsible. Perhaps I felt okay distancing myself somewhat from the story because I knew that while I, of course, was hoping for the best for these boys, there really was nothing that I could do. But in a world of 24-hour TV news cycles, while we can't constantly be glued to the TV, it's also easy to get lost in apathy in so many ways, always seeing ourselves as across the river and feeling as if there's nothing we can do. Even if it's an area of the world where, while we may be indeed across the river, we can make a difference. Moses at first was angered that the Reubenites and Gadites were separating themselves from the rest of the Israelites, only showing concern for themselves, fleeing from their responsibility. In reality, however, while they were trying to ensure their own success, they felt that by doing so, they could be better present for their larger community. The story of Reuben and Gad reminds us that perhaps from the outside, we can sometimes not only see a situation from a different perspective, but we can also be in a better position to be the ones to help. Jessica McClure Morales cannot live her life trying to save babies from wells or boys from caves, but she can help those who need her. She can help others who are at risk of falling, ensuring that they too are lifted up, just as she was 31 years ago. When we see stories like the one from Thailand this past week, or any other events that leave us feeling helpless, we can either get lost in our own helplessness, or we too can find the inspiration to look across our own rivers and to see who else in our world might be feeling helpless, those who maybe we can assist, that we can be a part of saving. When we end a book of the Torah as we do this week, we say, Chazak, Chazak, Venit Chazek. Be strong, be strong, that we all may be strengthened. On this Shabbat, we are so grateful for the strength and sacrifice of those talented Navy SEALs, divers, everyone from around the world who used their strength to save those who were most vulnerable. 
We're grateful to all those who dedicate their lives to make sure that others are safe, protected, and rescued when needed. We also pray that we may find the inspiration to use our strength and our resources to be the ones who protect and rescue, who help those who are vulnerable, and who do what we can to find those places in which we can make a difference and do our best to do so. May this be God's will.